is showing up in our lives daily. And amen. Would you guys have a seat? Amen. And that is our prayer for today. Well, hey, thanks for being here this morning. Last week, we started a new message series called The Good Life, where we are working through the Beatitudes, which are the first few verses in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapter 5. And so if you have a Bible and you want to turn there, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4 today. But also, last week, we launched our Be the Light Challenge, okay? And so if you follow along with the Beatitudes and you read a little bit past them, the verses right after talk about this idea of being the salt and the light of the world. So naturally, if we are people who live by the Beatitudes, what Jesus is talking about, his standards, then naturally we will then go be the salt and the light of the world. And so that's exactly what we want to challenge you guys. We challenged you last week um, to put some lights out and maybe start a conversation with people around you. And then this week, we want to challenge you to do this. We want to challenge you to compliment an employee to their manager. I know that sounds kind of weird and you're like, really? Um, But I don't even know how many times I've seen online employees being berated in this time, right? I don't know if you've seen that. Maybe you're the one doing the berating, hopefully not, okay? But seriously, there are people just doing their jobs but yet are not uh, being treated well. And so how about we as the church, we as the light, why don't we go the next step further and we say something good about an employee at wherever you go, all right? And I love this because Jesus says in Matthew 10, he says to, to the disciples, he says, when you go out, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And wise as serpents is that idea of being intentional. And so when you go out, be intentional with hey, hey, saying, hey, what employee can I compliment? Or maybe my server was fantastic today. I'm going to tell the, the manager. Or maybe this person at Walmart did such great help, whatever the case may be. That's my challenge for all of us this week. All right? And so please, be the light. Last week, we started this, the Good Life series, talking through Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, where it says, God blesses those who are poor in spirit and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is there. Jesus is literally just kind of flipping everything on its head. He's turning everything upside down, and he's explaining to the crowds of what it looks like to live the good life because it looks completely different than what culture is telling them. And so he says, first of all, the first step to the good life is realizing how spiritually bankrupt we are. Just like the the tax collector in Luke 18, where where the tax collector could hardly even walk into the synagogue, couldn't even look up at God because he realized how spiritually bankrupt he was. And all he said was, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's the attitude in which God wants us to be living in our lives. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the next beatitude that we're going to look, Matthew 5, 4, is very similar to this one. And they're all going to kind of overlap, which is fantastic. And so this is what we're going to look at today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Let's read this aloud together. How about that? All right? God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Let's just let this sink in for a little bit. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, this brings up some questions right off the bat, and it's probably because of that one word, 
mourn. Because when we think about mourning in our culture, it usually comes with this idea of suffering and loss, doesn't it? Like, like we're only mourning if we're, we lost. Like, think if you've ever lost a sporting event before. You leave mourning the loss. Or maybe you've lost a loved one. That's a whole different type of grief or mourning, right? And so usually when we say this word mourning or sorrow, we're thinking about this idea of uh, this physical mourning in our lives. And so the question is, is what is Jesus talking about here? Does, does God want to bless those who are just always continually sad? Obviously not. It goes much deeper than that. Jesus is unpacking for us this idea of a spiritual mourning. He's talking about a mourning over something that is so intrinsic within us. He's, he's talking about a mourning over our own sinfulness and our inability to fix ourselves. He's talking about a mourning over our rebellion of sin and our rebellion against God and then the grotesque consequences that follow it. Have you been there? Have you mourned over your sins as of late? You see, it's not something that we think about often, but maybe it is. Jesus wants us to understand that the good life, another step of the good life, is admitting that we are not good, that we are sinners, that we all fall short of the glory of God. But more than that, because that's the idea of spiritual bankruptcy, we all fall short, have mercy on me, a sinner. But here's what mourning is. It's actually being broken over the fact that we sin. And it's being broken over the sin that surrounds us in our life. So there's that next added step to it. We have to be spiritually bankrupt, this idea of poor in spirit. But then that poor in spirit leads us to mourn over our individual sins in our lives and the sins that surround us, to mourn over our brokenness and the brokenness around us. And so let's look at this word mourn a little bit further uh, as we look at this idea of what does it look like? What's this type of mourning that Jesus truly wants us to have and experience in life? And for that, we need to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. And Paul kind of expounds a little bit more on this idea of godly or, or, yeah, godly or good sorrow. And so 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For the kind of sorrow, the kind of mourning God wants us to experience. Did you see that word? He wants us to experience this, okay? This isn't something that like, hey, maybe you might. No, God wants us to. Leads us, and here's why he wants us to. Because it leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Listen, God wants us to experience this type of mourning of sorrow. This is good sorrow. This is godly sorrow. And here's why. Because we all realize we're poor in spirit. We're all, we all realize we, that we are sinners. We fall short of God's glory. There's no way we can ever make it up the mountain to God, ever. 
So we realize that, but it has to go further over that, and you have to realize that we need to be broken over that. So when we are broken over this sin that separates us from God, this verse tells us that that leads us to, to where? It leads us to salvation. It results in salvation. In fact, Jesus, when he began his ministry, what did he begin with? This idea of like, hey, make sure you get your life together and then you can come to me? No. He started by saying, repent and believe in the gospel. Repentance can't happen without first understanding that you're spiritually broken and without first mourning over that brokenness and realizing how sinful we truly are in our lives and how we can't ever work our way to him ever. But when we mourn over that sin, what it does, it drives us away from sin, and it leads us into repentance. It redirects our lives. That's what this mourning does. That's why Jesus wants us to mourn, because he wants our lives to be redirected away from sin and toward him. That's what godly mourning is, or godly sorrow is. You see, we're never going to understand our need for salvation unless we first mourn over our sin, unless we truly mourn over the brokenness of our rebellion. And this sorrow and this type of mourning leads us into freedom. Think about that. This sorrow leads us into freedom from something that we can never get rid of on our own. You see, this is why Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn because it leads us away from sin and into salvation. So let that just sink in just a little bit this morning. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, because I think when we talk about this type of mourning over our sin, this is what Isaiah experienced in chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. It says, it was in the year King Uzziah died, and I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. Sometimes we read past that like it's just whatever. Think he saw the Lord, okay? He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were the mighty seraphim, each having six wings, My four-year-old would love that aspect. Um, With two wings, they covered their faces, and two, they covered their feet, and two, they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple and its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, Isaiah chimes in, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among, filthy, among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. So I know that was a lot there, but, but it's a beautiful picture. So Isaiah saw the Lord, and he's seen this majesty and this holiness of God, and he sees these seraphim and everything surrounding him and the glory of God. And then it leads him to say that. Uh, other translations, it says, woe is me. Woe is me, because he's realizing after seeing God or experiencing God, how sinful and filthy he truly is. He experiences God and he realizes, I'm, I'm a goner. There's no way I can ever live up 
to this holy God. I am unholy. That's what Isaiah says. I have filthy lips. You see, he mourns over his sins and he mourns over the sins of the people. His sins and the brokenness that's around him. You see, I love what A.W. Pink says. He says, the closer the Christian lives to God, the more he will mourn over all that dishonors him. Isaiah couldn't have got any closer. He saw the Lord. And that's exactly what happened. The more he will mourn over all that dishonors him. This is the common experience of God's true people. You see, I, I think A.W. Pink has a point here because high school Ryan would not have mourned over certain sins that me today mourn over. Like, as I grow closer to God, as I take one step closer, which is our mission here, every day is this idea of one step closer. That's my goal is to grow closer to God. I begin to mourn over things that 10 years ago I probably would have never even thought about that, that were wrong. And so that's why I know this to be true, and that's why I can relate to Isaiah's experiences when we experience God, and in our way, we experience God by placing our faith in Christ, because he alone is the only one who can ever fix the separation with God. That's why he came down from the mountain. We don't have to work our way up. He came to us. When we experience God and we grow closer to him and we realize our sinfulness and the sin around us, the closer we get to God, the more we will mourn over the brokenness and grieve over the brokenness. And let me tell you, my heart grieves every single day in the midst of everything going around here. Between COVID and, and all the racial stuff going on, every day my heart just grieves over the sin that is going on in this world. It also grieves over my own sin and my own thoughts that I have privately that I have to confess to God. You see, as we grow closer to God, the more we will mourn over the sins in our life and the life around us. So the question is, do you mourn over your sin and the sins around you? Because that is a great gauge of how close you are to God. That's a great gauge. And so make sure you think about that a little bit. This is why Jesus says that those who mourn over their sin are blessed, right? That's what it says. God blesses those who mourn. But here's the deal. We have to understand this, that the blessing is not the reward we want, okay? We're not, the reward we're yearning for is not blessing. Because if you look at this, it says, God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. That's the reward. When we mourn over our sin, then we're going to be rewarded with comfort, which then develops blessedness or happiness in our life, okay? And so think about this. When we mourn over our sin, here's the promise from Jesus himself is that we will be comforted by God. This past week, we accepted and we took in a, a newborn foster baby. And so I have a seven, five, and he'll be four very soon. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I, I have a four-year-old. I totally know what it's like to have a newborn, okay? Here's the deal. For those of you that have grown kids and you say to a young couple, oh, yeah, I remember those days. You don't. <laughs> I'm only four years removed from the newborn stage. And I was like, oh, I remember those days. I don't, okay? 
I, if it weren't for coffee, I wouldn't be here this morning. I'm, I'm tired. Because that baby cries. Well, why does it cry? Well, it's hungry. It's, it's crying out for something. It's hungry. It needs a diaper change, whatever the case may be. But it won't be comforted unless it cries out. And that baby knows this, right? It knows if I cry, then someone's going to swoop in and comfort me, feed me, do whatever. It's the same thing with our God. When we cry out over our sin, when we realize our sin or the sins around us, and we cry out to God and we think about it like, man, this is just all against you, God. And we cry out, guess what? God promises that he will swoop in and comfort us. He will be there. You see, I, 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 I think about my parents as a kid, and, and I would go to them if I did something wrong, and I would approach them, and I'm expecting punishment and them to just, just really punish me. I cannot tell you the amount of times that I expected punishment, but yet my mom comforted me. Maybe it was because I was a mama's boy, but <laughs> she did. I, didn't, I, I got punished from time to time, but like she responds with comfort. Now, if my parents, who are flawed, if me as a parent, who is flawed, can comfort our kids, how much more can our Heavenly Father comfort us when we cry out over our sins? You see, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. They, God will move in and he will comfort us. I love what D.A. Carson says. He says, there is, no, there, there is no comfort or joy that can compare with what God gives those who mourn. Nothing can compare to God's comfort. See, I love the way James puts it. James 4, 8 through 10. It says, come close to God and God will come close to you. And then he kind of explains this idea. Wash your hands, you sinners. He's putting us all into the same group. We're all sinners. Uh, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. How true is that, right? I know that's true in my life. Just divided between the world, the, the flesh, and the spirit. They battle against each other. And it said, let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Why? Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Here's why. Because when you do those things, you humble yourselves before the Lord. And when that happens, he will lift you up in honor. He will comfort you. Just like I lift the baby to pick her up, to comfort her. You see, when we mourn over our sin, Jesus promises us this gift of comfort. And when we are comforted, then what happens? Then happiness happens or blessing, right? The baby is happy after I feed her. She's crying out. I comfort her. I give her what she needs. And then she's happy. And then hopefully stays asleep for a while, right? <laughs> you see, this is what happens with Isaiah. We go back to Isaiah's story in Isaiah 6, 6 through 7. It said, then one of the seraphim, because remember, Isaiah was just like, oh, woe is me. I'm a goner. There's no way I can ever live after seeing God because I'm so unholy. It said, then one of the seraphim flew over to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. 
You see, this is what happens to Isaiah when he mourns his sin and the sins around him. God comforts him and forgives him of those sins. God doesn't just say, hey, you are a sinner and you are going to die. No, he comforts him. He forgives him. There's comfort in forgiveness, isn't there? You see, this is what happens when we mourn over our sins and the sins around us as well. But it doesn't stop there. Look at this last verse, 6-8. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. God does not comfort us to be comfortable, okay? So we've got to get this American mentality out of our minds, this idea that God's going to just comfort us so that we can just live very comfortable lives. Because I bet you, a lot of you are uncomfortable in these times, aren't you? I know I am. I don't know how to act. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. What? I don't know. I'm uncomfortable. Listen, God doesn't comfort us just to be comfortable. He comforts us to use us. He comforts us so that we can then serve others and comfort others with the love of Christ that we've experienced. See, there's purpose in God's comfort. It's so that we can serve him just like Isaiah. And so listen, God blesses those who mourn for they shall be comforted. He blesses those who can humbly admit their fallenness and their brokenness and who are truly broken over it. And so I want to end with just this um, this story about G.K. Chesterton. He, he wrote a bunch of articles, and, and someone wrote into him the question, what's wrong with the world? And this was his response. He said, dear, dear sir, regarding your article, what's wrong with the world? Okay, first of all, if we try to explain that today, we would have pages, right? We would just go off, everything. The brown stink, everything, like just through and through. But this answer is just, that's it. What's wrong with the world? He says, I am. G.K. Chesterton was an amazing, godly man. He's someone who loved Jesus and someone who, who did amazing things in the name of Christ. And yet he can write back to this person and say, I am. He realizes, he mourns over his sins, and he realizes that he's the issue with the world. That's why we need Jesus, every single one of us, because Jesus is the greatest comforter, right? Jesus is the one who comforts us in the midst of our sadness and our sin and our sorrow. And that's exactly what we're going to do for the rest of our time. We get to share in communion today. And communion is, a, is an amazing experience where it's not only a symbol of the body that Jesus took on for us and the blood that was shed for us on the cross, but communion is this time where we get to come before him. And today we get to really think about and truly mourn over maybe some sins that are in your life right now. Maybe this is a time where you get to just hold the elements and you really get to think about the fact that Jesus took on the cross your past, present, and future sins. That he took them on himself where his body was broken and his blood was shed. And so today, as communion happens, as, uh, well, I'll walk us through it as we go there. As communion happens, we're going to have two questions up here and I'm just going to have these on the screen for you. 
And as you're holding the elements, I really want you to think about these two questions. Is what sin in my life have I just accepted? Because I bet you we can all have a few, right? And then what was the last time my heart was broken over my own sin? You see, these are good leading questions to begin to mourn over our brokenness and the brokenness around us. And so as you hold the elements, I just want you to really think about these questions. Think about where you're at in your journey of faith. Then maybe you don't have, you haven't started your journey. Maybe today's the first day you realize that because of your sin, you've been separated with God. Just like Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden because of sin. Listen, Jesus is the one who makes a way back into a relationship with God. And all you need to do is place your faith in him and his resurrection. That's it. And then the Spirit's going to work from there. And so, whatever the case may be, that's what we're going to do today during our time of communion. And so what's going to happen is we have uh, Colin and Taffy are going to walk around. So here's, because of COVID, they are going to walk around. You're just going to kind of have your hands out like this, okay? And they have prepackaged cups, okay? These are a little tricky. I will, I will forewarn you, all right? There's two little flaps on, on the cups. And so the top little flap opens up to a wafer. It's like a little secret compartment on the top, okay? So make sure you find the first flap. And you're going to pull it back, and there's a wafer under there, all right? But you don't have to do this till we all come back up here together. And then the second flap is the cup, the juice, okay? But what, what you're going to do is during this time, they're just going to hand it out to you. You just hold on to it. And then we'll walk it through together once we all have received the elements, okay? So you guys feel free to... is calling Have you come to the end of yourself Do you thirst for things from the well Jesus is calling Oh come to the altar the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your Come today, there's no reason to wait. Oh, Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes. 
Jesus in your life is born. Jesus is calling. Yeah. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I love that line in that song, bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. Well, why can we trade them for joy? Because of what Jesus has done for us that we could never do for ourselves. And so, like I said, there's two little flaps. So let's, let's take out the wafer, okay? So that's the top little clear film. I'll give you some time. Don't, don't rush, okay? And so just think about this. This, is the, this represents the body of Christ, the body that Jesus took on for you and for me, that where he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so... We do this in remembrance of the body that Jesus took on for you and for me. Let's do this together. And then you pull the little um, silver tab, the next one. Do it gingerly. Don't spill. This is the symbol of the blood that was shed on the cross. There's no salvation without shed blood. And it's Jesus' blood that washes us white as snow. That's why our sorrows can turn into joy because our sins have been forgiven through his sacrifice. And so that's why we do this in remembrance of him. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful that we can come to you today. God, I pray that we would have sorrow, godly sorrow over our sins, that we would mourn over our sins and the brokenness in our own lives and the brokenness of the world around us. Because God, when we do, we are led toward salvation. We're led toward you. God, I pray that you would just convict us, work in our hearts, so that we can move one step closer. God, I pray that we would be able to continue to give you all glory and honor as we go out from here today. We pray this in your name. Amen.